Thank you for checking out our podcast today. We hope that the teaching you're about to hear will inspire you and motivate you on your incredible journey in becoming a better you. So please turn your attention to today's message. I'm, I'm ready to get right into the word this morning, and I want you to hold that palm close. This is, you know, we hand, we hand these out every year. Every year we hand them out. If you've been with us in the last five years, you should probably have about five of these already at your house, and, um, and I like to kind of hold on to them because it's a, it's a reminder. You know, uh, Adrian, thank you very much for um, the, the explanation that you gave. It, it, it blends right into what I'm going to do. And, um, <laughs> uh, don't get, don't get too, don't get too excited. <laughs> too excited. But Palm Sunday is a very, very special time of the year for us all as sons and daughters of God and those that call themselves Christians, those that are followers of Jesus. You know, this is a very important time of the year. I want to start off with the statement that that I, I wrote and I wrote I wrote it thinking about this moment, this occasion. And 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 I want you to kind of take this in as we get right into our teaching this morning. Jesus died as a result of love for humanity. It was not as a result of what humanity did to him. Let me say that again. Jesus died as a result of love for humanity, and he did not die as a result of what humanity did to him. Are you listening? Jesus was not a victim. Tell somebody, Jesus was not a victim. Eddie God, Jesus was not a victim. Jesus was not a victim. Jesus was not another casualty. Jesus was a redeemer. Jesus was a rescuer. Jesus is a deliverer. And Jesus is a true and true emancipator. What he did, he did in love. He did for love. And he did because of love. And I, I, I want to establish this because there are times that if we're not careful, we change the narrative of what Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Resurrection Sunday, called Easter as well, that, we, you know, it, we can change the narrative. John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18, I want you to read this with me, and I don't want you to forget this. Jesus said these words. Who said these words? Jesus said, I lay down my life so that I may take it again. 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 No one has taken it away from me. No one has taken it away from me. But I lay it down on my own Initiative. The next, I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. And then he dropped the mic and he walked away. Are you listening to that? Jesus said these words about what was about to happen. 
Now I say this so that we can reflect on how he loved us instead of when and who put Jesus to death. And it seems like more and more this time of the year, there is such a focus on who put him to death and when he died and how he died. And we forget about the very most important part of it all. We ignore that Jesus knew that this was going to happen to him. He knew how it was going to happen and he knew whom would do this. Jesus was neither surprised nor shell-shocked. This not catch him off guard. Amen. Amen, Skyler. Praise, praise the Lord. That's the Pentecostal there. That, that's, yeah. Her parents are Baptists. She's Pentecostal. But listen, listen, Jesus was never surprised that this would happen to him. Yet Jesus never alters nor circumvents the things that were going to happen. Jesus never ran away from the course of his purpose and mission. This is not on, this is not on the screen, this verse, but I wanted to share this scripture with you. Out of John chapter 12, don't freak out in the back. Guys, don't freak out. This is not on there. I've just added this one. Jesus said this. Jesus said this. Chapter 12, verse 27 of John. He said, now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? That's a question he was asking his disciples. He says, but, but this is the reason that I have come. This is admirable. The people all around him are far more concerned with the excitement about being liberated from the Roman Empire and the Roman rule. They, they aren't thinking about eternal purposes as they were screaming and yelling out, Hosanna! They were not thinking about eternal purposes. They were thinking about their current circumstances. They were not chanting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord because they were thinking about God's love for their neighbors. But they were chanting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes for my benefit and for my current circumstances. And please don't get all judgmental and condescending because we do that today. We too do the same in our Hosanna, in our worship, in our praise. Do we move in love in our approach to all things Jesus? Did I move in love for others coming here this morning? It's a question. Did I move in love for someone else as I was parking in the parking lot? Or was I just kind of thinking about how I'm going to get the best spot here? Did I move in love for someone else in the time that I arrived here? Coopers. <laughs> did, did I move in love for someone else in my prayer request or all my prayer requests just about me in my current circumstance? Am I moving in love as I think of someone else in why I give? In my giving? Am I moving in love for someone else 
and why I worship. There are people here that need your worship. Let me say that again. There are people here that need to watch you worship. You encourage, you inspire, you set people ablaze when you lift up your hands and you worship in the midst of your circumstances. Someone else watches you and they go, if he could worship, if she could worship, then I should too. Amen. So, am I moving in love for someone else and the things that I say or that I post on social media? When, when you lift up your palm and you say, Hosanna, Hosanna, are you thinking in love for someone else or are you moving in love for yourself? You know, when you're lifting Hosanna, we ought to be thinking about someone else. And this is, think, this is very difficult at times, and I'm, I'm going to be very honest and I'll be very transparent because um, I too miss it. I, I, I often miss it. In fact, I miss it on the way here driving. Um, I, I, I often chant Hosanna when I get here, but maybe with my driving, I don't think about someone else. And I'm guilty of that. It's what we've been taught along the years. But Jesus did not allow the joyous chants as everybody is chanting Hosanna. Come on, lift them up, lift them up, lift them up, lift them up, lift them up. As everybody is chanting to Jesus, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna the King, the King, Hosanna the King. His eyes were fixed on Jerusalem because he had to fulfill the mission of paying a price for us all. Jesus never allowed himself, allowed himself to be distracted from his purpose and from his mission here on earth. Three times. It is written three times. But it happened more than three times. Jesus told his followers, hey, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be flogged. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. And on the third day, I will rise again. Jesus told them over and over. Matthew chapter 16, 21. Let's read this. Jesus said, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples. He began to tell his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem. Not to receive the accolades of the people. He understood there was a purpose and that he would many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. Boom. He would be he would be but on the he would be raised from the dead. Matthew chapter 17. Let's read the next one quickly. After they gathered again in Galilee, who said? Jesus. Who said? Jesus. Jesus told them, the son of man is going to be betrayed, betrayed into the hands of Jesus. his enemies. Again, so he will be, but on the, he will be raised from the, and the disciples were filled with what? Grief. The next one, Matthew 20, 17 through 19. As Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside, aside, privately, and told them 
what was going to happen to him? Again, here we go. Let's go to the next one, 19. I'm sorry, 18. Listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be to the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. They will sentence him to what? Then they will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked, to be flogged with a whip and crucified. There's more. Come on, man. Come on, man. This is what Resurrection Sunday is all about. Don't you get it twisted. It's not about a bunny and eggs. Don't get it twisted. All right? Uh, we could do that to, 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 to attract the kids and all of those things, but never, ever, ever rob, rob your children, rob people around you from the truth and the reality that Jesus said, I'm going to die, but I'm coming back on the third day. All right? But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. Now, Jesus tells them when. He tells them where. He tells them how. He tells them who. Isn't that awesome? Yes. Palm Sunday is the time where we remember, we remember not just the when, the where, the how and the who, but we want to pause to remember why. Why did Jesus do this? Why? You know, many of us, some of us, either it's, it's, it's a tattoo uh, it's, it's etched in your body some way, somehow, like a burn mark or something, or, or, or you have crosses all over. These are constant reminders of the why. Why Jesus did this. Somebody say love. love. Come on, man. Somebody say love. Yeah. Love for humanity kept his eyes affixed to Jerusalem as he marched in the direction to his execution. Think about that, guys. While all the thunderous, 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 celebratory and joyous words of jubilee because the king, the king is here, the king is here, the king is here. None of those things distracted him from knowing that he would go to die. And that's where he was going. He was on his way to his death. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. We've read this and many of you know it all. For God so loved the what? The what? Puerto Ricans. Blacks. Whites. Mexicans. What did he love? World. So much that he gave his one and only. There's only, listen, there's only one. There's only one and there's only one. That's it, one and only. So that some. The Coopers. The Coopers, Everyone. the Finns, Everyone. the Parsons, Everyone. Rodriguez, Everyone. over here, guys, Everyone. who, Everyone. who, Everyone. the Clarks, Everyone. listen, for you and me, all of us, so that we would not what? And what? Listen, God sent his son into the world to what? What? Not to judge, but to to save the world through him. Man, that's what this is all about. Love, salvation, redemption. 
Palm Sunday highlights Jesus' triumphant entrance into the city. Adrian talked about this. You know what Adrian didn't mention about that, sh- that the little sheep, you, the little lamb you would have in your house for four days. The kids, the kids would name it. The kids would get all, all, all friendly with it. Only to have to deal with the reality that it'd be their meal. It'd be sacrificed. It'd be slaughtered. Palm Sunday comes from the fact that Jesus enters into Jerusalem and the people are waving these palm branches and they place palm leaves on their and their, their cloaks, their tunics. They would unwrap it, take them off. They put them on the ground so that Jesus would walk and the donkey uh, would, would walk over. And this was done in jubilation. Many had heard about Jesus' ministry. I love the term that Adrian used. He was viral. He was doing. He, he he was viral. Jesus had more followers than the Kardashians. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yes. yes, he did. I can't believe I said that. <laughs> Palm Sunday. I brought in the Kardashians into the. I kept it. Uh, many had heard about Jesus' ministry, and they heard about his miracles. They heard about his healing and his power and the wonder, but his fame had been spreading everywhere. So because of the social and governmental climate in that era, Jesus now represents hope for the societal change and governmental change. You know, the people of Israel had lost their land and lost power. There is a new government in town that had taken over uh, their loved loved, uh, land. It's taken away. They're now, they're now being oppressed again. But Jesus' intention wasn't to bring on earth social or governmental change, but to bring to our hearts, somebody say to our hearts, the change that could bring about social and governmental change to the earth. And sometimes we don't think about Jesus that way. Oh, Jesus comes to change the world. No, he, he came here to, to, change the, to change your heart so that you can go and change the world. Yeah. Jerusalem had been under Roman control and the people of Israel wanted their city and their land back. And prophecy had foretold of a moment in history of liberation from that grip of uh, uh, foreign oppression. Out of Zechariah chapter 9, this, this, is, written, this is written 500, 500 years before Jesus is born. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. Again, he is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. That was written 500 years before Jesus is born. 600 years before out of Jeremiah chapter 23. For the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a what? A righteous what? A what? A what? That word descendant there is also translated a branch. A branch. He's going to raise a righteous descendant, a righteous branch from King David's line. Keep going. He will be a what? A king. Who rules with wisdom. wisdom. He will do what is just and right throughout the land. 
Interestingly enough, that word, that word, descendant, is branch. You know, as the people were waving their branches, they were acknowledging that Jesus has to be this king that was written about. They're excited. Who could blame them? 600 years, 500 years, these prophets foretold about this coming king. Now Jesus is here on earth. Jesus is in the house. Now Jesus must be this political figure that they that, that was going to come and now overthrow Rome, the, the Roman Empire. And he's going to unite, unite the kingdom. And once and for all, everyone is going to live happily ever after. That's what's going to happen. Somebody say, nope. Nope. It's been more than 2,000 years since this historical event took place. And still today in Israel, there is still a remnant that are still waiting for this political figure to come and rule. See, many want a king that's going to provide them an advantageous impact to their surroundings, to their circumstances, socially and government. Many were looking for a king to provide an, an advantage to their pocket and to their purse, to their cause, and even provide them with an advantage to their personal interest while never tampering with their hearts. You can take my money. You can rule. You can govern. We'll stand, against, we'll stand against the enemies and we'll stand alongside of you, new king. Just don't touch my heart. Jesus came after your heart. This Palm Sunday, I want us to pause. I want us to reflect on the fact that while all eyes were on this king, they believed it was going to bring social change and government and was going to change them, Jesus' eyes and his heart were planted on the direction of Jerusalem to get to that cross. The change Jesus was ushering in is the kind of change that Jesus, Jesus would bring into our hearts by way of his kingdom. He'd be a king to a people where their hearts would be the throne seat from where he would reign. You know that Jesus is a king and he sits in the throne of your heart and that's how he guides and he leads in the kingdom. You know, we talk about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. Palm Sunday is a constant reminder that though the atmosphere around us may look bleak, look around us, it's a mess out there. Listen, it's a mess out there. Look around, it's a mess out there. Our king has already made a way for us to reign victoriously with him in the midst of all of these circumstances. Some images, some of the most impactful images of the invasion of, uh, of Ukraine happened last week on a Sunday. The time that they had off to see so many Ukrainians go to churches that were in shambles and clear out the rubble and plant their faces on the ground and just pray to their king. What? Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. Jesus said this, look, I 
stand at the door. And what do I do? I knock. If you hear my voice and you open the door, listen, this is a time where Jesus is not pursuing us. He says, I will come in and I will share a meal together as friends. He is saying, I want to have communion with you. Just open your heart. Is there another after that one? No. Jesus is pursuing us. And he does this because, he listen, he does this because what? He loves. One of the saddest realities of this event that we celebrate today is I want you to lift up that cross. Come on, lift it up. Lift it up. Lift it up. Lift it up. Hosanna. Hosanna, right? Hosanna. Hosanna. This king, Hosanna. What an amazing thing. Hosanna. Hosanna. And they were just, just, they were just shouting, Hosanna. Hosanna. And then a week later, crucify him. Crucify him. The very same people. And we can be critical, but we do the same thing because we live, we leave here today. Today, we're all in our worship. That is the heart. We're all in worship, but then come Monday, we're also doing the same. And the way we treat others, the way we treat our family, the way we treat our spouses, the way we treat our children, the way we treat others. We say Hosanna in church on Sunday, and then we crucify Jesus right back on Monday. And then we do it on Tuesday. We do it all the way until we get back to church, and then we pick up again. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Luke chapter 17, verse 20, 21, as we begin to wrap this up this morning. Jesus has been asked about the kingdom. He's being asked about the kingdom. And this is what Jesus said about the kingdom. Chapter 17, Luke 17. The Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? I want you to stand to your feet. Jesus replied, Jesus replied and he said, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. What did he say? You won't be able to say, whoop, or whoop, over there. For the kingdom. for the kingdom. kingdom of God is what already is what already is what already is what, what? Already where is the kingdom where is the kingdom I want you to look to your neighbor among you among you among you my question to you this morning is and for those that are watching us online I want you to close your eyes. Is Jesus your king? And as you're holding this palm, symbolically as you're holding this, if he is your king, is he the king of circumstances or is he the king of your heart? Are you waving a branch on Sunday And on Monday through Saturday, you're waving a fist. Are you screaming Hosanna as you move in love, not for yourself or your circumstances, but in your love for someone else?
want you to join the worship team as we sing this song. Come on, guys. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. If you would like to find information about who we are or how to donate so that we can keep doing what we're doing, please check us out at www.scarletnotes.org. See you next time.